Uh, great to be with you this morning, and thanks, worship team, for leading us this morning. And um, I remember that, that song we just sang about worthy of your hallelujah. I remember when we wrote that, that song, and just as we were singing there, it, well, I mean, it's easy to say because I was part of the team who wrote it, but like, I just love that line about Jesus Christ, the word from the start, because he's always been the word. He will never stop being the word. And so if you need a word this morning, the word I've got for you is Jesus. Um, in every situation, and every circumstance, good times, bad times, it's literally all about Jesus. And we've mentioned this morning uh, about uh, it's Pentecost Sunday. And thanks for being here this morning. If you're watching online, we're glad that you're with us. And Pentecost Sunday is basically, I found out recently, I knew it was like so many days after Easter, but it turns out it's 50, which I never quite understood the maths on that because 50 and it's a Sunday to a Sunday, so that's not dividable by seven, but, uh, but I assume it must start uh, on a day before, but it's 50 days after Easter. But basically, Pentecost was a, what, what I love about Pentecost is it's in the Bible in Acts chapter two, but the purpose of Pentecost was a day where they gathered together in one accord, like Pastor Jim said, and God has sent the Holy Spirit, not just to live in our hearts, but to empower us for mission, to make disciples, to carry out the work that Jesus asked us to. But the best thing about Pentecost is that it's not just a Sunday, it's not just a, a date in the calendar or like something to look back on and think, oh, look what God done there. But actually, it's a living reality for us as believers. It's not much like Easter. It's not just something we celebrate on Easter Sunday once a year, but actually, it's the resurrection life of Jesus is something that we live in or should aim to live in every single Day. But to give you a bit of context for Pentecost, basically the, we believe as Christians that when you give your life to Jesus, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something you do, not something I do, not anything. It's all about Jesus and the Holy Spirit at work within you. But we believe in what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit, which we believe is a separate incident, a separate experience from giving your life to Jesus. And that is for the empowerment of mission, and we as Pentecostal believers, as Assemblies of God Church, we believe that there's signs that fall. Like the Holy Spirit gives us gifts and the empowerment of mission. And Pastor Jim done a teaching series in our life groups. You can find it on our YouTube page, New Life Press Week. Please go and watch that. But if you do have questions about that, because we're not really going to look at it this morning, please come and speak to us. Because the purpose of that, we believe it's for all believers and accessible, and they're in operation today. And it will empower you, give you a boldness to basically make disciples. That was the reason Jesus gave us the, the Holy Spirit. But I love that we get to celebrate that this morning. But I really feel like God laid in my heart the, this morning. I said to Pastor Jim a few weeks ago, I wasn't really meant to be preaching today. Um, but I said, I really feel like God's given me something to share with the church. And thank you for Pastor Jim giving me the space to share it this morning. But I've entitled this message, it's called Heart and Soul. It's called Heart and and so thank you, Gary, for making the graphics. And though it's Pentecost Sunday, I may read or make reference to Acts chapter 2 later on. But I want to focus on a passage that we've read this month as part of our daily readings. You can access them. If you don't know anything about that, come and speak to us afterwards. But it was in 1 Samuel chapter 14. And to give a bit of context, we find a guy called Jonathan and his armor bearer. And Jonathan was the king's son. And they find themselves at this time, God's people, at war with the enemy of God's people, the Philistines. But they find themselves at battle and Jonathan and his armor bearer, they, they find themselves in the midst of this battle and they're in the camp and they sneak out. They sneak out from camp, just the two of them. And we'll pick it up in 1 Samuel 14, 
verses 1 to 23, and it says, One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Now, children, that is not a license to not tell your parents things. But it says, Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, and the son of, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Seni. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other to the south towards Geba. We'll call it that. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over towards them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait here until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In, the in that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Saul's lookouts at Gibeah and Benjamin saw the army melting away in all directions. Then Saul said to the men who were with him, muster the forces and see who has left us. When they did, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not there. Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God. At that time, it was with the Israelites. While Saul was talking to the priests, the tumult in the Philistine camp increased more and more. So Saul said to the priests, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines had gone up with them to their camp, went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan, when all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim, Ephraim, sorry, heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel, and the battle moved on beyond Beth Avon, which sounds like a place in Scotland, to be honest. But this is one of my favorite parts of the entire Bible. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I love the audacity, the bravery, the faith, the excitement. I mean, reading it, it's so stupid. Like, Everything you would think that you would strategically try and do to cause an ambush, Jonathan does the absolute opposite. Like if you're trying to sneak up on someone, you don't say, come let, us see it, let them see us. Like that makes absolutely no sense. And it has one of my favorite verses in the Bible where the armor bearer turns to Jonathan and says, I am with you, heart and soul. It's so fantastic. And to be honest, that verse, that phrase of I'm with you, heart and soul has had such a profound impact on my life that 
and I'm not saying I've always been perfect at this, but it's just a phrase that caught me as a young person, and it's something that I've tried to live my life with, is that if I'm going to do something, or if I'm going to be with someone, then I'm going to be with them heart and soul. I'm not going to be half-hearted, I'm not going to, and I'm not saying I've been perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination, but generally speaking, if I'm committed to something, then I'm going to do it heart and soul. And it doesn't mean I'm going to be the most skilled. It doesn't mean I'm going to be the most qualified. But what it means is that if I'm on your side, then I'm going to be in heart and soul. I've got your back. No matter what it looks like in the good times and the bad times, I'm with you. I'm not going to abandon you if this all goes wrong. And I believe that God wanted me to share with us this morning that he wants people who are with him heart and soul. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary, whoever writes that, they people define heart and soul as being completely, wholly giving yourself to something, we've heard about it this morning, or without reservations. I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm all in. But Jonathan and his armor bearer, they find themselves in the midst of a battle, and I know that you and I are in the midst of a battle right now. Why? Because the Bible tells me that I'm always in a battle. But this is what it says about us. It says the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. What it says is also is finally be strong in the Lord. It's a different verse. And his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. Paul doesn't write that because it's a nice little thought. He's writing it because we are in a real spiritual battle. Jonathan is in the midst of a battle and he and his armor bearer find themselves, they sneak out of the camp and Jonathan has this plan. But it wasn't stupid. Jonathan wasn't being dumb here. It can be easy to read it and think, well, that was being a bit silly, but Jonathan recognized something that perhaps no one else in the Israelite camp understood, and maybe it was because he'd read the stories of what God had done in the past and thought, well, the same God who rescued Israel from the Egyptians is the same God that I serve, and so God can wipe out armies when they didn't even have an army to go with, and there's more than zero here, there's two of us, and and I, I don't know what made Jonathan do this, but he certainly had a strategy, and the thing is, the reason you have a strategy is because if you ever set out to do anything and you have no plan and no strategy, then you're going to fail. But you see, Jonathan had the faith to believe that with my strategy and God's power coming together, something can work. we can win this battle, we can win the victory. And so Jonathan has this plan in place where he says, what we'll do is we'll put ourselves in a strategic position between two rocks, so really they can't get to us unless they come down, so we're in a good place to start with. But then what we'll do is we'll say to God, and I don't, he must have prayed at some point, because he said, this is what he must have done. Because he says, if, God, if they say this, that means go. If they say this, that means no. And we'll just, no harm, no foul. We'll, we'll just test the waters a little bit. And then it got difficult, because they then respond with a go. And now, But the armor bearer's heart was just, well, I'm with your heart and soul, Jonathan. If this works, great. If it doesn't work well, we'll die together. <laughs> but, but either way, we're going to do this together. But in no sense do I find any doubt whatsoever when I read it. They had such confidence that if we just go, God's going to show up because that's what God 
does. But he was positioned strategically in the best place. He strategically spoke to God. And then what happens was they step out towards the battlefield and where God is calling them to go. And then God just begins to move. You see, strategies are not the enemy of faith, but actually our faith combined with a strategy is what can bring breakthrough and what can bring victory. You don't just set out one day to become successful, but actually if you're going to be successful, then you have to plan, strategize on how are we actually going to achieve this. And I believe that we're in the midst of a battle, but I believe that God is calling us to move forward into the battlefield where we're supposed to be. And I believe that with strategy and with faith and God's power at work in us, then we will see breakthrough, we will see victory, we will see freedom for the captive, we will see everything that God records in the Bible, we'll begin to see happen, not because we've done anything brilliant, but because we had the faith to believe that if we move, God will move. And God has laid a plan on our heart, and not just a plan, but a vision for our church to plant a church in Cumnock. We shared it towards the end of last year and at the start of this year that this is what we believe God is calling us to do. It's why we have Isaiah 54, 2 and 3. And part of that is to plant a church in Covenant. But everyone knows you don't just decide day one, let's just go and plant a church in Covenant. That's not how it works. Why? Because we have to have a strategy and the faith to believe that when these come together, then God's power at work in us will see victory. Why? Because that's the battlefield that we are called to. And I believe that God has laid on our hearts, a, I'm not saying this is the word of the Lord, but God, I believe, gave us a strategy for this is how we're going to do it. And it's not going to be easy. This battle wasn't easy. They still had to do the hard work. But on the screen, I'm now going to share with you, there's five phases to our strategy for church planting in Cumnock. And it'll also explain this little card because that's going to come into it in phase one. But we believe that we are called to not just plant a church for the sake of it, but to establish a church there, which will then send people, it will stretch, strengthen, and send people locally, nationally, and globally. We've got a big vision for our church, but we don't believe it's our vision. It doesn't belong to us, but it's actually given from heaven to our pastor and his heart. We just get to outwork it with God through us. And the first phase is prayer. You know, prayer is so powerful. Like, without prayer, nothing ever really happens. Before Jesus done anything, he prayed. Like before anything in the Bible, Jonathan has a prayer is not just something we do in a meeting, but actually prayer is just communicating with heaven. I love the, there's a story in the, in the Bible, I was going to reference it later on. And for me, it's one of the, I mean, there's loads of prayer meetings, but there's a great part where, do you know that when you pray, you can move heaven? And there's a great passage, and I'm not going to go into the theology of it because I don't really understand all the theology, but there's a part in the in Exodus where Moses, and God is fed up with his people. God always kind of get fed up with his people, and I can understand why. God's very gracious and patient with us. But there's an incredible passage in Exodus where God's had enough. God's, God says, and he says to Moses, God, I am going to wipe out all of these people, and I will make a nation out of you, Moses. And Moses, I mean, imagine arguing with God. But Moses says this to God, no, 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 God. Remember that promise you made? Remember the promise you made to your people? And it says in my Bible, it says that God changed his mind. Now you can debate whether, personally my theology was that God was testing Moses to see if Moses was humble enough to remember and whether God, Moses would think he was great, but I'm not going into the theology. But I love the idea of God 
So I believe that as we pray, it's not that God doesn't want to do something, but God is looking for us to activate our faith in prayer and actually believe. Because when you move in faith, I think that that gets God's attention. And it's not that we don't always have God's attention. He's always watching over us. But God's attracted to faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Why Jesus could do no miracles in his hometown? Why? Because the people had no faith. They just looked at Jesus and thought, oh, it's just Jesus, Joseph's son. Imagine. But if we can activate our faith and really believe not just nice little prayers but messy prayers of faith and stepping it the, the kind of faith that Jonathan has when he says God I'm believing that you're going to show up there are many that outnumber us here God if you don't show up we are sunk and I believe that phase one is prayer so we have little prayer cards because we believe that we are going to cover come look and pray before we go into battle, we are going to fight with, because the reality is, it can be easy to argue with people, but actually, we don't really argue with people. We fight with principalities and powers at AOG Conference. So see that person that annoys you? It's not that they that you fight against, but actually, it's spirits. So actually, start praying for that person. Start praying for the thing that's behind that, that thing that is a spiritual thing, but actually, we think that it's about the person. Cause, so see when people annoy you, and even I... This can be a big one. Even, let's be honest, in a political environment, sometimes we can get really annoyed at our leaders. We can feel let down. We can get frustrated. And it can be easy to do what the Bible tells us not to do, which is to dishonor and to discredit. But actually, the Bible calls us to honor and to pray for. And to, I mean, the Bible says we should bless our enemies. So really, we want to start praying for people. And we've got a little card. I've tried to make it as easy as possible for everyone. So on that, each day of the week... Every day we are going to pray for these things. And on the back, I've given you some pointers and little things about Cumnock. We've got some emergency services. We've got the schools and the head teachers' names. We've got the churches in Cumnock. We've got our community leaders. But we just want to pray for the... We just want to pray over Cumnock. And now pray for everything else too. But we want to really focus as a church and as a people, collectively gathering our faith to pray over this town. Why? Because we believe that as we pray, things just begin to shift. Doors begin to open. It means that when we step into the actual battlefield, the battle's already won. Why? Because we fought the war before we step into the battle. So we want to encourage you to take these. Put them somewhere that's accessible. But if you use your fridge all the time, put it on your fridge. Like if, if you put it in your desk at work, put it in your desk at work. Whatever, wherever this is not going to be something that sits in the bottom of the bag, but something we can actually believe. I'm going to pray over this every single day. We're going to start with the month of June and then we'll continue throughout that. But really, we'll start tomorrow. You can start early if you want. But let's pray and pray and pray. And not just nice prayers, but pray with the faith to believe, God, you're going to answer this prayer. You are going to show up because God can do a lot with a few. Then we're going to move into phase two later on this year. You see, every move of God is birthed in prayer. I believe that. But phase two is we're going to praise. Why? Because praise breaks chains. In fact, whenever you step into battle, like Jonathan stepped into battle, but in the Bible, they would send the praise team in first. And now the praise team was just whoever could play an instrument. But really, it's our collective praise. Because it wasn't just we send them in. They led us, but everyone joined in in a collective sound of praise. Praise literally breaks chains. Paul and Silas in the book of Acts, they are in prison and it's at midnight and they're under stress, they're under pressure. But what do they do? They don't feel sorry for themselves. They don't give up. They begin to praise. And praise in that context literally broke physical chains. But I believe that there are spiritual chains that break when we praise. 
we had that conference push, like praise until something happens. And it was a woman and it was a story that we heard about. And she basically suffered from depression. Now, we're not trying to say that these aren't real, but she made a decision. I'm going to praise every day. And guess what? She praised and the depression left. The next day she woke up and it was back. So she praised. And then it went on for like a year of constantly doing that until one day, miraculously, God broke that chain. I believe there are chains over our towns and our cities. We're looking at Cumnock, but it's really wider than that. But we believe that when we lift up a sound of praise, things begin to change. The atmosphere begins to change. When we lift up the name of Jesus, enemies starts to run. Why? Because they can't cope with the name of Jesus. And then phase three, once we've praised apart, as phase three is we're going to move in and we're going to start increasing our presence in the town. What does that mean? It means that we'll be putting out ways of that we can serve Cumnock as a town, but also we'll be most, hosting more special events where we'll be getting our name out there because ultimately we are trying to gather people so that they can look at Jesus. Like, it's not about new life. It's not about David. It's not about Pastor Jim. It's not. It's about Jesus. But ultimately we need people to look at us so that we can point them to Jesus. Because ultimately the aim is to get people to Jesus. Jesus is ultimately... The aim is so we're going to be serving and connecting and building relationships. And we believe that it will be easier for us to do that. Why? Because we've prayed and then we've praised. And God's going to open up doors of opportunity. Not because of anything we do, but because of his infinite power. And then phase four is where we actually really start connecting with people. Because ultimately it's not about us having a nice little service or saying we've done something. But ultimately we want to get people connected to Jesus and the way we're going to do that is by running an alpha and the amazing thing about alpha is we can do it for kids we can do it for young people and we can do it for adults so we can actually really make this about reaching people we want to run like events that will help us to equip adults youth and children but ultimately introducing them to the person who is Jesus because that's and that's where we'll all come in because we'll be looking for people to serve at these things but ultimately phase four is when we're really that's when the ground assault begins that's when we're really full into the battlefield connecting come look to Jesus and then phase five is when we actually have a, an established church plant in come where this is now self-sufficient it runs on its own and it's not separate from New Life Press Week but actually it's just an expression of it in come and um we can't wait and it will just continue the cycle we'll always be praying we'll always be praising we'll always be building people and we'll also be connecting people to Jesus so we wanted to share that with you because we have a strategy and a plan for our church to go there because we're in the midst of a battle and it's going to be stretching and there'll be times of stretching and strengthening but it's also about sending and I'm excited about what God is going to do so to start with we just want to invite you phase one we're all part of phase one we're all part of all the phases but we just want to invite you to pray just pray and pray and pray and pray. And when you're tired of praying, guess what? Take a nap and then pray more. Because that's what we do. We just want to keep praying and never stop praying. Because the armor bearer says this phrase to Jonathan. says, I'm with you, heart and soul. So I'm inviting you to join with us all to say, I'm going to pray, heart and soul. We don't have all the answers. We don't even know how all of this is going to outwork practically yet. But we know that this is God's in this. We've heard the, if God said, if they say this, we've already heard God saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. So now it's time for us to activate our faith. So we want you to partner with us. I'm wholeheartedly in. I'm in without restraint. 
And maybe it's counter... Sometimes I think we can be a little bit, and maybe it's just me, but we can sometimes overthink things a little bit. That's what I love about this armor bearer is I'm really bad for overthinking. I like to... There's always a million and one reasons why we should never start. There's always a, I want the full plan. I want it all worked out. I want to know it's all going to be okay. But that's not what we find in this story. He says, I'm with you, heart and soul. As far as we're aware, the armor bearer has got no idea that God has spoken. There's no reference to it in the Bible. But he just has such a strong connection, relationship with, there's such a unity between these two men. I'm with you, heart and soul. And I really believe that, there's people in here where God has asked you to do something or God has put something in your heart and you're waiting for all the answers. You're waiting for it all to work out. You're overthinking it. And this might sound counterintuitive and I'm not telling you to be dumb. I'm not telling you to be stupid. Please use wisdom. But I believe that God wanted me to tell you that it's time for you to move. It's time for, you know what you're supposed to do. You've been given not so much signs and wonders, but you know that you know that you know that you know. And God is wanting, well, you might be watching online, you might be in the room, but God is telling you it's time for you to move. It's time for you to not stop overthinking, stop worrying about how it's all going to work out, but you know that it's God and just step out in faith and believe that he will show up. Why? Because when you move, he moves. And in your movement, I believe that heaven will move on earth. I mean, I understand it. That's kind of what I'm like. But I firmly believe that God is waiting sometimes for us to move because he's already told us where to move to. And then all of a sudden, I love the word suddenly. It's a great word. See, when you read a book or you're reading a story or you say it and then the word suddenly appears. Why? Because suddenly means you don't know what's about to happen, but you know that whatever went before it, something's about to change. Suddenly is such an exciting word because you have no clue what's coming next, but you know that it's something's about to change in an atmosphere or in a story or a narrative is about to change. I love the word suddenly. And I love the word suddenly because though it doesn't appear in this passage, it does appear in Acts chapter 2. You see, at this moment, Jesus has been resurrected in Acts Pentecost, which I reference. Jesus has died, been resurrected. He's then been taken up to heaven after showing his disciples. He's told them to wait. Wait, how long? Don't know. But you'll know. You'll know, you know that phrase, you'll know it when you see it. So, but what am I looking for? You'll know it when you see it. Well, well in my verse, I should have said you'll know it when you hear it. But in Acts chapter 2, but there's a suddenly in this Jonathan story, though it doesn't have the word. Why? Because as Jonathan's activated his faith and him and the armor bearer have stepped out in faith and the battle's beginning, what's happened is suddenly there's a commotion. Suddenly there's a sound over here. There's a battle raging and it's not a sound of fear because the Israelites are over here chilling. I'm just going to sit over here. They're just sitting thinking, oh, maybe we should battle or we should kind of... And some of them are in hiding because they're so afraid of the enemy. But there's a sound over here. There's a sound that... It doesn't sound like fear. It sounds like the enemy is fleeing in fear. There's a battle going on that sounds like the tide is turning. And so they're sitting over here and they get, they get a whiff of this sound over here and they think, what is doing what's going on over there and then all of a sudden the news comes back well God's moving somehow the battle is shifting and the enemy which we were afraid of is now running in fear and they count who's not here and it was just Jonathan and this armor bearer well they're missing and it was like well God's up to something in them and what happens is Saul and even those who were hiding there's something they get a boost of confidence suddenly in a moment 
where the battle begins to shift and that the enemy which once had encampment and towers in our heart are now no longer an issue. Why? Because in the power of Jesus' name they are running at the enemy. And in Acts chapter 2, we find a suddenly moment. The Bible says, my Bible says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven as the Holy Spirit fell on the believers and it caused such a commotion. There was such a sound that something had changed in the atmosphere that there were people who were the enemies of God over here being like, what is that sound over there? There was something that drew this sound, them to this sound. And Peter on the day of Pentecost stood up and he said, nah, nah, these people aren't drunk. Come on, it's 9 a.m. Don't be silly. But that Jesus whom you crucified, who the enemy thought he'd won, the enemy thought he had all these chains and built up these towers well, there's a name that is higher and it's the name of Jesus. And on that day, 3,000 people were, I mean, could you imagine the chaos? How do you get them all in a life group? Or in, like, but why? Because there was something had changed. There was a sound that had changed. Why? Because that which was in defeat and enemy had come back to life. Why? Because it's the power of Jesus. And my Bible in Jonathan's battle, when I read it, it doesn't say that Jonathan and his armor bearer gave victory to the people. Nah, nah, nah. It was God who gave the people of Israel victory. Why? Because he was moved by Jonathan and his armor bearer's faith to say, do you know what? What if God actually shows up? We have the belief that God is definitely going to show up. And I just believe that we are in a season as a church where there's a suddenly coming. That once where it felt like there was defeat, and I'm not talking about necessarily for us, but for the people out there, they're living in darkness, defeat. It looks as if the enemy might have won. The enemy's got fear in their hearts. But there's something in me that thinks, I have the faith to believe that if we step onto the battlefield, that something begins to shift. There's a sound coming, and it's not a sound of fear, it's not a sound of darkness, but it's a sound of freedom, it's a sound of victory, it's a sound of breakthrough. I believe that we are going to see those who were lost and far from God coming back home. I believe we're going to see those who were sick and oppressed set free, and I believe there's going to be healing, I believe there's going to be freedom, I believe we're going to see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Why? And it's not anything that we can take any credit for. The only bit we get credit for is by putting our faith in Jesus, And the Bible says that we've all been given a measure of faith. So really he gave us the faith anyway in the first place. But I just believe that we as a church, God is calling us to say, where's your faith? Let's put it in Jesus. Step into it because God's definitely going to show up. And there's a sound that is coming. And it's not going to be a sound of victory, but it's it's going to be a sound of victory, not a sound of defeat. Why? Because it's the name of Jesus that we're going to declare. We sing a song, I speak Jesus. We are speaking Jesus over Every single situation, we just speak all I've got. David, I'm going to finish with this. Story not in the Bible. When he fights Goliath, this comes a few chapters after Jonathan. So actually, David learned about honor from Jonathan. David learned about confidence in Jesus from Jonathan. He looks at Goliath and says, you've come at me with the weapons of this world, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. And so we are going to come for Cumnock. We are going to come for our communities. And we're not coming with any power that we have, but we are going to come with the name of Jesus. Why? Because at the name of Jesus, the enemy flees. Why? Because it is the name that is above every name. And the worship team can come back up. And I'm just going to pray over us. And I just believe that Jesus is the name that we go in. And I, I just thank, I'm thankful for that name. And Father, I just, can we stand if that's okay? If you're able and comfortable to do so. Because I just want to pray for us as we move into this new season, this exciting season, Father. But I just thank you, God, that you are the name that's above every name. Father God, I thank you that 
we can have the confidence that when we move in faith by you, as we move, Father God, you move and chains begin to break and the captives are set free, not because we take any credit or glory for it, but ultimately because you are the one who is winning the battle for us. Father God, I pray that you give us a boldness. Father God, I thank you for strategies that you give us, but I just pray above all that we'll never lose the faith and the confidence that we have in you. Father God, let it not just be something we read about, but let us be living examples of your power at work today. Father God, that ultimately we'll step into communities, we'll step into towns, we'll step into workplaces, and every sphere of life we will walk with your confidence and your power in order that people can be set free from the darkness and brought into your glorious light and freedom. Father God, help us to be people who are stretched, strengthened, and sent locally, nationally, and globally. Help us in this phase as we look forward to what you're calling us to do. Father God, I pray for every life here, Father God, that we will just have a boldness empowered by your Holy Spirit to see your kingdom come here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.